like we have created a life where we do what we love and it's of service and it's making an impact and we also have a beautiful balance where we we go in we go from that dance the masculine and the feminine dance where we really laser focus and then we go and self-care and lay on the beach and read a book and walk on the beach and spend hours in nature which really lights us up so we're very strict with that yeah and we make sure because we we it's very easy for creatives and entrepreneurs to get so excited and obsessed with what we do and we would just work all day and night all day and night all day and night and and we burnt ourselves out and it's easy to do we have all these ideas and we're creating all these programs together and we're doing all these things and it's so exciting but for us like you have to any creative any entrepreneur you have to be very diligent with your balance but otherwise you'll just burn yourself out you'll give yourself adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue Welcome to The Passion PT, I'm Dan Brophy, a creative wellness coach and motivational speaker. I'm here to break down creative process into simple techniques that you can use to develop your creative practice and achieve your goals faster. The Passion PT MO is that every single person is creative, and by developing and enhancing your creativity, you can improve how you work each day, you can nurture a hobby or side hustle, or you can even use creative play as a wellness technique. So join me as I share inspiration and thought starters to train your focus and expression a little bit more each day to achieve your best possible output. In today's episode, I'll be talking to lifestyle and wellness power couple, Melissa Ambrosini and Nick Broadhurst. Melissa is a best-selling author. She's the host of the top-rated podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show. She's a keynote speaker, a content creator, and an entrepreneur. Nick is a singer, a songwriter, and a musician formerly a member of the Sneaky Sound System, as well as a meditation advocate, a visual artist, and an entrepreneur. I love chatting to creative couples about the ways they combine their talents to create a dynamic team. Melissa and Nick have nailed their work-life balance, and if you're someone who wants to level up your productivity and your creative output, this is the conversation for you. For more on Melissa, check out melissaambrosini.com. And for more on Nick, go to iamnickbroadhurst.com. And you can check out the accompanying video of this conversation on my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash danbrophy. And I'll be sharing a bunch of additional inspiration from the chat over on my Instagram page at danbrophy. But as per usual, I'll be putting all the links in the show notes. Please enjoy my chat with the inspirational Melissa Ambrosini and Nick Broadhurst. Guys, thank you so much for having a chat. Melissa Ambrosini and Nick Broadhurst. Thanks for having us. So I like to start by asking people, when someone says, hey, what do you do? What do you tell them? Well, I'll go first. I help women unlock their full potential and live their best life. And I do that through a different whole bunch of different mediums. I write books, I have a podcast, I create online programs and products, workshops, live events, and through my social media platforms. So that's what I do. Pretty fun. Tidy. Very yeah, tidy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very well rehearsed. Nice one. The well, you finish. have to kind of get it. it because people are like, so I don't get it. Like, what do you do? I'm like, 
Okay. Well, let me let me make that more muddy for you with my with my description. Yours isn't muddy. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, we spoke about this yesterday because we often ask, like, you know, what do you do? And for me, I say, well, I'm a musician, but that's not really just who I am. So it's kind of this funny concept, right? Because I don't really know how to explain me very clearly, especially in a short sentence. Yeah, so I, yes, I'm a musician. Uh, I do come from initially a band background, and I'm a solo artist, so I have that world. But I also run lots of businesses, and I'm also a father, and I also mentor people, and you know, I'm a film producer, and so there's all these things that I do. So I never know how to answer the question. So I'm a musician. <laughs> I'll stick with that. Many hats. Well, it, that's interesting. In terms of all those different. Some, some seemingly disparate career trajectories. Is there any um, unifying qualities that make you good at those different things? Well, I think what inspires me the most is everything I do is about making people feel great. So, you know, it's interesting, I think it was maybe five or six years ago, I was asked during a branding, like a personal branding exercise, like what does Nick, Nick Broadhurst, what does he want to make people feel? I said, well, I want to, whatever I do, whether it's film or music or writing books, because we're also doing a book together, so I'll be, technically I'll be an author soon as well. Yeah. I can add that on there. Yes. Um, I want to tap people back into their heart, because I know that for me that's where, when I'm writing my best music, it comes from that space. When I'm the best husband, the best father, the best lover, all these sorts of things, it comes from the heart space. So. I want everything I do to take people into that world. What does Melissa Ambrosini want to affect in the people she engages with? Very similar to Nick, I want to help people live from their heart space, so get out of their head and into their heart. And I think, I don't know who said it, the longest journey we will ever take is only like this long, from here to here, from your head to your heart. So many people are living in their head and, and dealing with what I call their inner critic, their inner mean girl. Um, you, you might have an inner bad boy, and that's that fear-based voice that says you're not good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, skinny enough, you can't start your own business. Oh, thanks, Charlie. Oh, I was conscious of microphones and hair. Uh, thank you. True love is yeah. Yeah. someone to, yeah. to push your hair. Exactly. <laughs> so... And that's what my first book is called. It's called Mastering Your Mean Girl, which is basically about mastering the fear-based voice inside your head so that you can get back into your heart and live from there. So everything I do is to help women get back into their heart and unlock their full potential and live their best life, whatever that looks like for them in every area of their life too. I first discovered you when I was at About Life and I saw Mastering Your Mean Girl on the shelves there oh and that was five years ago now because I remember being stuck in a job that I was really unhappy in and it was a really great tip in the right direction for a new way of thinking that was beyond just going through the day-to-day -day doing the thing that I thought I was meant to do. I, at what stage in the journey did you identify with that that putting value on affecting change in the people you were coming into contact with? Mm, so in my book I, and on my podcast I share that in 2010 I hit rock bottom and my whole life changed in that moment. 
Um, I ended up in hospital with a whole host of health issues like physical and then also mental. So not only was I dealing with the physical things that I was going through, adrenal fatigue and things like that, but I was dealing with anxiety and depression and panic attacks. And for me, that was absolute rock bottom. Also at that time, a guy had just dumped me. I wasn't, I didn't have any money. I was living on my friend's couch. I didn't have a job. My friends dumped me. So I was like at the lowest of low. And I realized that something had to shift. When I was in hospital, I had just met some new friends in yoga, this thing called Kundalini Yoga. This is back in 2010. And they sent me a parcel to my hospital. And these were literally new friends that I'd just met. They sent me this beautiful parcel. And in that parcel was a book that changed my life. And that was a book called You Can Heal Your Life. Louise Hay. Louise Hay. And I read this book and I was like, why are we not taught this? Like, why has no one told me that I create my own reality? Like, I had my mum and my dad so grateful that I had them by my side in hospital. And I turned to my mum and I'm like, why didn't you teach me this? And she was like, I was doing the best I could. And they, our parents are always doing the best that they can. And I um, am so grateful for that. But I realized in that moment that even though it was the hardest thing I went through, that this isn't the way to live. And this isn't, we didn't come here to suffer like God or the universe, whatever you believe in, didn't put us here on earth to suffer. And that I needed to get healthy and happy again because I was the one that put myself in that hospital bed and I was the only one that could get myself out. So that for me was like such a defining moment in my life where I was like, something has to shift and I need to help others do this as well because we didn't come here to suffer. It's amazing the idea of a a rock bottom moment or, or a point of no return because you can't go back to behaving in the way that led you to that hospital bed once you've had that aha moment. And... It's interesting the idea of, of all the different choices that you make after doing that. You mentioned before that you are really identified with speaking to women. And Nick, you were talking about the idea of really identifying with coming from the heart space. Mel, what is it about the idea of speaking specifically to your audience that feels right, that, that, they, that this particular female experience can really benefit from your journey and then I'll put it over to you Nick in terms of who you communicate to in your work maybe it is all genders but right now you're a Movember bro so there's a lot of value in your ideas for a male audience I'd imagine but what is it about your particular audiences that uh, unites or uh, ignites your your need to express I just I love women I love men too like I really do But I just, and it it wasn't actually a conscious thing for me where I went, I only want to speak to women. That it wasn't a conscious thing for me. It just happened. When I began sharing on my blog, I started this thing called a blog and this was in 2011 when, 2010 actually, when no one had blogs and I started this thing, it was on Blogspot, you know? Is that because blogs had yet to have a moment or had they had the moment and now everyone was- No, they hadn't had a moment yet. And, and so I kind of got at the start of that and I started sharing it. And I was just, the way I was speaking was just obviously more directed toward women because we teach what we most need to learn. 
And so I was just speaking what I needed to learn and I was learning in the process as well. And so I didn't intentionally go, I only want to speak to women. It just kind of happened that way. But I feel like the world is going to be healed when we all take responsibility. But when women step up and own their power, the household changes. You know, the whole house changes because the women are, they are usually, and this is stereotypical, but they're usually the driver in the home. And when we step up and I, and I help empower them to step up, like the whole dynamic in the home and then the community and then the, the country and then the globe, like it all shifts. We all rise together. So I guess that's why I feel really passionate about speaking to women. Nick, you're a Movember. Is it a, a, Mobro. a Mobro. I love it. I love, a, mm. I love a catchphrase. And yeah, a yeah. Combination of multiple words into a snazzy new one. Yeah. But what is it about uh, the work that you do that makes you a, a good Mobro? I think what has helped me the most has been my ability to be vulnerable um, with myself and with my friends, uh, with my partner as well, and my family. And uh, I believe Movember like my message because in my music, in my latest single, Inner Love, you know, there's a man singing that it's gonna be all right, it's gonna be all right, it's gonna be all right, that's the chorus. And then before that, the pre-chorus is in a love, in a love, in a love, in a love. And that really is such a strong message for men to embrace because it's not something, especially in Australia as well, it's very macho world that we live in Australia, it's not typically embraced as much. Um, it's so important, equally important for men as it is for women. So uh, I believe that at the moment, you know, this work is particularly, um, it's coming up for me, for men, because I guess I represent a model or a way of being as a man, which is both embracing of the strength of the masculine, but also um, totally embracing the, the warmth of the feminine, because we, we have, all of us have masculine and feminine energy in us, not male and female, but masculine and feminine, we all have it. It's how the universe has been created of this, these two energies. If you go back 5,000 years in Chinese, in Chinese culture, you have the yin-yang. You know, it's been around for a long time. It's never going to go away. And we're always going to have both of these opposing forces, these opposing energies. And the, the minute that we actually embrace them both, then we really unlock our potential. Because if I'm not embracing the, my feminine energy, I can't really unlock my potential as a lover. If, I don't, if I'm not a great lover in my marriage, then I can't unlock the potential of that relationship. Um, if I'm not embracing the feminine, I really can't be the sort of father that maybe my son needs at certain times. Does he need the masculine energy? Absolutely. Like There's a time and place for strength. There's also a time and place for warmth as well. So I believe you know, right now it's probably because I live from both of those places and it's a very important message right now for men with the issues they struggle with and the high suicide rates you know it's embracing both sides is a huge part of that talk to me a little bit about how your your creative careers or the ways in which you express yourself through your work has evolved in the last chapter of life your last chapter sounds like it started around 2010 in terms of big life shifts and Nick you've gone from Nicky sound system to real estate to 
you know, being a solo artist now and all of these journeys along the way, as you've gone along those paths, how have you managed to, or even let me know some of the stages in terms of refining your message or connecting to the sort of work you wanted to be doing? How long, Mel, did it take you to go from blog writer to published author to someone who people would pay to have them facilitate their biggest work? Mm. It's definitely been a journey and oh, it's I don't even remember. Like I, I don't even I don't know timelines. See the thing with me is like <laughs> I I just I'm very optimistic and I only remember the good things. Like he'll sometimes say, Do you remember how challenging that past? And I'm like, No. I don't remember. I'm like, I don't, I don't remember the things. But um, it's definitely been a journey and it's like one thing has snowballed. It's kind of like been this snowball. So I started writing a blog. I was very vulnerable and honest, um, sharing what I was struggling with, my, my battle with my relationship with my body and myself and my food and, you know, that sort of thing. And then because I was so open and honest and vulnerable, I started getting asked to speak as a motivational speaker. And I was like, how did this happen? You know, and then after that, a few years went along and then, you know, started creating online programs and doing my own events and workshops. And then the book came in probably like five years after. Yeah. Um, was it? The, it was 2014. 2014. Where, where, yeah, it was interesting because... Yeah, so when I met years. Melissa, she had this platform where she had this website. She basically created it herself using the WordPress theme. Um, and this tiny little newsletter opt in, like classic Australian, like shy, I don't want to like, ask for your yeah, email, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I came along and I just happened to have years of online marketing experience because I'd just been researching it myself. And I'd launched and failed multiple times with businesses. So I'd learned what worked, what didn't work. Um, I never really had a massive hit. I had some success with online marketing, but um, one of the programs I launched was called Science of Stillness. And then that became the Stillness Project, which is a meditation-based um, program and platform. Um, but when I met Melissa, she had this platform and I had these skills and we had this interesting romance where we were, we met, we were engaged in two weeks and it was just like, boom, intense, okay, let's go, you know. And so I looked at her Google Analytics and I thought, holy crap, like you have something pretty serious here. She was getting, I can't remember at the time, like maybe 30,000 visits a month or something. Um, and literally had like a 2% opt-in rate. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, we can definitely improve that. So <clears throat> she was about to launch this new site. She had it designed, so she was on the right path. And I looked at the site and I just said, no, it's not gonna work. We need to redo it. So she scrapped this $10,000 design and we started again. So we launched this new site and we had two versions of the site ready to go. There was melissabroadhurst.com and melissaembassini.com. And so it was ready to go the day we were married, basically. So we thought, okay, we'll decide which one we're gonna publish. <laughs> and so I think it was the day before we went, no, we're gonna stick with Melissa Ambassini. Because she had this brand and this presence around her existing name so she's kept her name her maiden name so we launched that and then we launched uh she'd already done a little ebook called 12 steps to wellness she was selling it for 18 dollars it was probably paying your rent and a bit of lifestyle mm. you know it was it was good and that was a, that was amazing you know 
and then we created some meditations and then we sold those I'm like wow we're making like 1500 bucks a week off these meditations this is awesome you know our first taste of that passive income you know that sort of thing it's and so it just, exciting it just kept building and then uh she was offered a, a book deal with a major publisher and it was the publisher she'd always wanted to be with <clears throat> and i had experience with entertainment contracts and i had a great attorney and i took it to the attorney and, and we both went you sign this over our dead bodies like it's not gonna happen and i was like but i want to be an author i want to <laughs> write it's my thing so we had to really test her faith because that was the publisher she wanted you know i dreamt about she that dreamt publisher, about it. you know i was like did, did you um, actively put that on a vision board were you actually yes. seeking out that publisher oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um, it happened yeah definitely you manifested happened. it but with the wrong terms so I should be more specific yes okay this <laughs> yeah. next time here's the contract on the vision board but so we basically <clears throat> said to her no and we could tell that the way they operated wasn't going to match the way that we it wasn't in alignment with our core values so we thought okay well let's do this differently let's and in fact it was quite um serendipitous that around that time Melissa was introduced to someone who introduced her to his literary agent who was American uh, US based and he represents Eckhart Tolle and all these amazing authors, um, some of the biggest authors in the world. In my field. And he know? rarely takes on anyone outside America because he knows it's a harder push, but he saw Melissa and said, yeah, straight away, I love Mastering Your Mean Girl, let's do this. Sent him the proposal, he was like, yep, done. Within three hours. Yeah. Did you send him a finished book? I think proposal. I sent him the proposal, yeah. I think I just sent him the proposal via email and then literally... Just three hours, here's the contract. Yeah, right? he was like, here's the contract. Yep, done. And I was like, whoa, okay. Let me get my, my attorney to look at that as well. Yeah. And, and so we negotiated that and um, he went out and got uh, her first book deal with Penguin Random House in America, which was in New York. In New York. Mm-hmm. And around that time, we, we, we carved out Australian New Zealand territory rights, which was the smartest thing we ever did because around that time, HarperCollins approached and this beautiful lady, Catherine Milne, who we love, who is our representative in Australia. She emailed saying, have you ever thought about writing a book? And well, we're like, uh, actually, we're yes. We're just about to look for our Australian um, well, publisher. So she published that book and also opened wide with HarperCollins in Australia, New Zealand, um, Penguin Random House and Ben Bella for the next book. Um, at the moment, the third book is a co-author book. It's, it's around, well, we haven't got a title for it yet, it's a working title, but the, the gist of it is how to make your life count, basically. Like really how to make your life and count. And nuts and bolts, like we go into technology, streamlining your life, what apps to use, how to do it, how to get the inbox zero, how to retire from email, how to set up passive income streams, like everything. Because we start the book with hardcore statistics on how we spend our time. So the average person lives for 79 years. And so we spend 13 years working. We spend, I think it's like four years sleeping. Five years on social media. Five years on social media. That's scary, right? So when you (laughs) add all of that in and you take all of that left, like what are you actually left with? You're left with two years. To do what you really love. Let's, let's make this personal. Okay, so with you, for example, uh, how old are you? 36. And your parents? Uh, 62 and 72. Okay, so I'm assuming it's probably your father who's older? Yeah. The same as my situation. My father's the oldest. So my dad is 78. 
So technically he's got a year left. Technically, according right. to the statistics, the average age. Mm. So if you're father, you've got, let's just call it seven years roughly, right? Mm. We hope it's more than that. Yeah. But we don't know. Um, how often do you see them? Once a month for a weekend. Right, so you've got mm. 12 times seven, potentially with your dad. Mm. Can someone do the maths on that? You're good at maths. I'm good with a calculator. Eighty. <laughs> <laughs> 84, isn't it? Yeah. 86, whatever it is. <laughs> Whoa, that's embarrassing. Guys, we're creative. We're yes. Yeah. But um, that's how many more times you'll see your dad potentially. Could, yeah. Could. So we use this beginning of the book as a through line to set up, like, how do you make your life count? Because you have a life count. That's how many years you've got left. You've got um, how many times you're going to see your partner wake up in the morning next to you. How many times you'll see your grandparents. How many breakfast you have with your father your, with your brother that you like Melissa's brother lives in Italy so I see him like once a year max how many more of those do we have so we do a big wake up call of, okay well, how do you want to spend the rest of those days but more importantly how can we get more of those back right call them and marbles. make the most of them you know like they're so precious like these marbles that you've been giving these 79 marbles that you've been given like how can you make the most of them? We only get 79 potentially. And you know, your podcast, it's like 13 years are dedicated to work. 13 years. So you, you wanna make sure you're doing something that you love and that it lights you up so much because you don't know what's gonna, gonna happen. You don't know how long we're here for. You don't know what's around the corner. And you know, being at this event, we were sharing on stage that in December last year, one of our best friends took her own life. Like, we, you just don't know what's around the corner. So you have to hold on to these 79 marbles, make them count, like use them wisely for things that you love and that really light you up. And the book actually, each chapter, you do exercises and we teach you in each section how many marbles that's gonna give you back. And you know, it's such a simple concept, like even email, for example. <coughs> four years of email? Yeah. Like it's, it's pretty scary when you actually see the statistics. So that's what the next book is about. So we got to that because we're talking about books, weren't we? And we're your trajectory. About, yes, yeah, so the progression. Now. And your podcast, she's just yeah, thinking about well, almost 9 million downloads now. Yeah. When did the podcast come into play? Because the, the, if the book the, the writing of the actually well the writing of the first ebook because that's an interesting transition you go from sharing ideas in an ad hoc way because you're feeling those feels on that day and then you put it into a blog and at some stage in that process before you realize how great your google analytics stats are you go i'm going to formalize some ideas in a palatable bite-sized ebook and at what stage in the process of sharing ideas through the blog did you think well no i've got something to to make to compartmentalize into something worth sharing in a more official way through an ebook, was that a couple of years in before it became? A yes, book? yeah, it was like a, a few years in, maybe like two, two or three two years. Or three, yeah, because yeah, I started like January 2011, and wrote the book in 14. 2014. Well, your, your first ebook was 2013. Yeah, my first ebook was a year in. So yeah, that's when I first was like. I'm so bad with timelines. Mm. The, the first year I was like, yes, no, I've got, I've got something to share here. We all have something to share. Not just me, everyone has stuff to share. We all have been through life, haven't we? 
We all have been through experiences. We've all experienced different things at different de degrees at different times. So we all have wisdom. And I just felt this deep responsibility that it was my role to share it. After going through that rock bottom, I felt like I went through that to now help others. I, I was thinking recently when I, because I have certain authors and idea um, platforms that I, I love to tap into, and sometimes I'll return to the same book or a podcast again and again based on the way in which it makes me feel. It made me think it's less about the information that's been spoken and more about the vibration of the way in which that author or um, that idea factory resonates with me. And if you were to summarize the feeling that someone gets from consuming your content, whether it be your podcast or your book, do you know what it would be? Either empowerment or inspiration. Like, you can do it too? You can do it too. Yeah, they feel deeply empowered and inspired. Like very much like oh she can do it i can do it if she can heal herself i can if she can find her soulmate i can if she can launch her dream business i can and i feel like that's definitely um the the feedback that i get from people is is that what about you nick what when someone experiences your ideas how do you think it makes them feel i think similar in many ways um i think music has its own special superpower that that nothing else can do and it can transport people into a whole new place and i think it transports what i hear a lot is that it transports people back to their truth um for whatever reason that seems to be something which comes up a lot with my music um which i think is probably the ultimate compliment actually so i, I that's great for me uh it's very it's job satisfaction if you call it a job you know but yeah I think taking people back to the truth because when they're in that space then they know what's possible they can see what potential they have I was just going to say the word the word job and work as well like we don't often call what we do a job or work we feel retired yeah like and my like, brother he's like you guys are retired like you live your dream life you are retired I'm like yeah I guess like we have created a life where we do what we love and it's of service and it's making an impact and we also have a beautiful balance where we we go in we go from that dance the masculine and the feminine dance where we really laser focus and then we go and self-care and lay on the beach and read a book and walk on the beach and spend hours in nature which really lights us up so we're very strict with that yeah and we make sure because we we it's very easy for creatives and entrepreneurs to get so excited and obsessed with what we do that like there was when we first met we would work like till there'd be like 11 p.m and that's like for people that know us like we go to bed at like eight o'clock so like that's big for us and we would just work all day and night all day and night all day and night and and we burnt ourselves out and it's easy to do. We have all these ideas and we're creating all these programs together and we're doing all these things and it's so exciting. But for us, like you have to, any creative, any entrepreneur, you have to be very diligent with your balance for you. And, what, and that might just mean, 
a walk in the afternoon away from your computer or um, eating your lunch in the sun, like something so simple, but just making sure that you have that balance in your day for you, the longevity is then going to be there. But otherwise, you'll just burn yourself out. You'll give yourself adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue. Yeah, we've both been there. And we've been there, and that's not fun. fun. It sounds to me like there's a lot of complementary values that you both bring or energies or ideas that you both bring that you discovered the worth of by having each other to share in the values. And for those who are yet to find someone to really build a a machine with or build a system of life with, what I'd love to ask you each, what you have gained from the other person in terms of what they bring to the table that you've been able to embrace yourself so that people who are yet to have that sort of running mate can potentially look to to foster that for themselves in their own singular life. Mm. Yeah, there's different, I mean, there's different tools that we use and there's obviously each other. We always say that we are both, we're very shiny mirrors for each other. You know, we, we reflect back all the things that probably don't want to see within ourselves because when that person shows up constantly, your partner shows up constantly, they're always gonna, you know, put the spotlight on the things that you don't want to sort of look at within yourself. So I think being a partnership, one of the great things is that, is having someone to kind of call you out on your stuff. Um, but if you don't have a partner, actually, there is a specific tool that we found very, very useful. And it was something which our business coach um, who we used to work with, he took us through this process called Flippin'. And it's actually an amazing um, personality profiling process that is used by you know professional sports teams to choose athletes. Like it's, it's millions and millions of dollars that have gone into it. And you need to do this with, I think you can order it online, but someone actually has to take you through the process from memory. But what happens is, it's not you answering questions. It's actually, Don't you answer it once? I think you answer it once. And then you get... Six other people who answer the same... There's a hundred traits. They just have to select which traits you have. So you get other people to do it. You could get your mum. You could get your nephew. You could get the, a complete strange... Like you've just met maybe once. So you pick six random people. In business and personal life. Yes. That and do so, it for you. And it comes back with your top three constraints and your top three strengths. And for me, one of my constraints, which I could feel but didn't know how to articulate probably, was my low need to nurture. So I don't need nurturing. I don't need, in terms of, if I'm on a mission creating something, I'm just going to do it. He doesn't need to be told, you're doing a good job, keep going. How very unmillennial. Yeah. Like (laughs) he doesn't doesn't need that, which means he doesn't give it. But... When we did this profiling, it's something I need. And it was something that the, the girls that worked for us also needed. So having that awareness for him was really big, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was also lacking humility. It was a really interesting one. I, I was seeking significance all the time. Um, so, and now I don't feel... I, I sometimes see that pop up and I'm aware of it. And sometimes I just ask for it, I'm just going to go for it anyway. And sometimes I'm like, okay, don't say that because that's lacking humility. I'm aware of it now. And the other one was, and this one, actually all of mine were completely at the highest, highest, <laughs> like breaking the systems. Like literally the person who was, who was going through the results said he'd never seen 
someone have three things that were literally off the charts <laughs> and that's me saying that because I lack humility right I'm seeking significance just saying that but anyway um, perfectionism was my other one so perfectionism can become fear as well if you are seeking something to be so perfect it means that you are not wanting to put it out in the world because it's not good enough yet so that was very much the case for my music it held me back for a long time being a solo artist because it had to be perfect and so I have let go of my perfectionism for sure I'm definitely way more humble but still struggling because I just said that thing before and um, when it comes to my need to nurture it's not even a thing anymore it's it's not an issue it doesn't mm, come up does mm. it? in fact our, our team I don't say staff but our team members would, would actually say that's a strength mm. so that's been amazing Totally. And um, any of those sorts of personality testing things, there's like, there's so many. But I think, yeah, coming back to your question, um, getting people, if you don't have a partner, getting team members or other people in there that can have this, the, your weaknesses. So you hire, um, so that's, you know, with us, we balance each other out and he very much has strengths that I don't have and I have strengths that he doesn't have. And so if you don't have a partner to do that with, like finding people in your team, that's why the profiling is so important to get someone. If you don't like doing something, if it's not your strength, hire someone to do but, that. But also, you know, when hiring someone, because this is important too, the reason we've been able to create a life where we do have a lot of freedom if we want to. We right now we're writing a book and I'm releasing singles and making music videos and a whole bunch of other things. So life is quite full, but that's by choice, right? But the reason we have that choice is because we have teams who are in the right position. And Flippin has been amazing for that because you know if you need someone who is has to be super organised, like a project manager, for example, then you want their order and structure to be right bang smack in the right spot on their flipping chart because then you know they're going to keep things organized but if you know it's off like it's too low you won't hire that person yeah because then it's not something they're going to naturally grow into quick enough you know you'd have to you'd have to train them for probably years to overcome that so i mean everyone can adapt but it takes time so it's been amazing for that as well totally yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned a business coach, which is, to me is a, a great reminder of the idea that this has been a really long journey. Your lifestyle would look so idyllic to so many people, and it sounds like it's been a journey that's been going for almost a, a decade for you and Nick. All of the, ver the various career trajectories that you've had to lead you to this place means that you can step in and offer skills like... Google Analytics looking at the head of your partner's website. He doesn't do that anymore, though. Like, to get him to do Absolutely. anything in my business now, he's like, you're on your you've own. Had, you've had your grace. You're on your own. Well, um, what are some of the professionals and the coaches and the, the outsourcing that you've done that has been a real game changer for you in terms of building these businesses? Because it's a good way to remind people that you don't know how to... You don't know how to... You don't have to know how to do everything yourself. You know, a personal trainer for getting fit is a great solution for someone who doesn't know where to begin with a fitness journey. But what professionals have you called upon? Mm, so many. Well, we mentioned the business coach. Yeah. His name is Bruce Campbell, and, and he's um, he's amazing because he he brought in things that we weren't doing. For example, there's this thing called a profit and loss statement. <laughs> it's kind of important when you're running businesses, right? 
And I would always be like, yeah, we've got enough money in the bank. It will be fine. Like, it'll, it'll, oh, it's, we might be a bit tight that month. You know, like, we'll just get through it. And now, oh, I actually know where the money's going. And we're doing cash flow forecasts. And, and we'll listen, you know, that was her worst nightmare. Like, to sit down and look at a profit and loss statement. Like, and, and Bruce taught me so much about getting my head out of the sand and stopping, like, I'm an entrepreneur. I have my own business. Like, I have to step up in that area. He'd just, like, um, get over it. He'd be like, get your head out of the sand and sit down. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right. So, yeah, he was really, really helpful for us. For We had him for a few years. Yeah. We've also, we've had health coaches. We've had personal mentors. We've had spiritual mentors. We've had personal trainers. Like, we... Mm are not afraid to go we're not an expert in this area we love asking help. we we are not we're not those people that are like no i'm not like i'm like okay cool who's better at this than me and how can i learn from you like we will just find the best person at that thing at google analytics and we will hire them and learn from them or read their book do you go and seek out recommendations from friends who've gone and found those mentors sometimes yeah sometimes or um, or just sort of someone, it just comes up. Yeah. I think I need that. You know, yeah. Can I contact that person? Yeah, do you have Bruce's number? Because I could really... Totally. <laughs> He's incredible. He's incredible. And we've actually put so many friends yeah. onto them and they all of their businesses have gone like that. The thing is, though, it's not for the faint-hearted. Like, it's work. And he it's puts an, you through the ringer. And it's an investment. It's an investment, work. exactly. And emotionally and, you know time everything but it's so worth it and i think coming back to your question is like we are not afraid to ask for help and get coaches in any area of our life whether it's health relationships we've had we've gone and seen people when we have gone through more challenging times we've gone and seen people together um and yeah career you know, you've had a singing coach, vocal coach, like I've had yeah. writing coaches. I have a personal trainer who's um, virtual, like they're in, they're in Boston. Yeah. You know, we just, we, have, we use the app Vox. I actually, just to give everyone listening an actual really easy, tangible productivity hack would be to get the, Vo- the app called Voxer because so much time spent like sitting on our phones using our two thumbs typing out messages it's not a good way to spend our time right when you can send a little voice message it's like hey babe did you get that email and people say quick people say but you can't do that on whatsapp or can't do that on iMessage yes but it's very different it's it's in real time it's live you can fast forward the messages it's like a walkie talkie it's you have to sort of use it to experience it but if people want to talk to us they have to download Voxer and our entire team is on Voxer. So everyone who works for us, it's a, you have to be on Voxer because I'm not spending my precious 79 marbles in my inbox going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about something when I can quickly go, hey, babe, did you get that email? Cool, can you send that off? That took me like, what, 20, like 15 seconds where we spend so much time of our precious, precious creative time spent in our inbox going back and forth oh what does this time work for you no okay what about this time what and i'm just like that is not a good use of our time so that anyone's time anyone's time yeah and and speaking of email actually i how long ago was it about 18 months 18 months ago i reached a point where i was like 
this has got to stop. Because he was spending how many hours a day in his email well, inbox? Probably two to four, because I had such a diverse, I guess, uh, businesses. And at the time, I was coming out of a film production, and there was just a lot happening. You were reading, like, 24-page contracts. It was and just really intense. And I'm just like, this is... Uh, there's a keyboard, like a little keyboard, with letters, and there's one below that with black and white keys. And I'm spending way too much time on that little one, and not enough time down here, because they're right next to each other in my, in my studio. And so I decide, that's it, I'm retiring from email. I have to find a way to retire from email. And I was like, there's no way. There's, babe, I was like, I'm all, I was like, I'm all for, like, thinking big and manifesting, but I was like, how are you going to do this? Like, seriously, how are you gonna, and he's like, I am a slave to my inbox it's and it's going. not lighting me up anymore and something needs to shift and I'm gonna do it. And I was like, okay. And if anyone can do it, it's him. And he did it. Like he literally retired from email. I'm like, yeah. wow. Yeah, and, it's, and my life is so much more productive because of outsourcing that. And we teach you how to do it in the book, so you'll have to wait. I'm, so excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited for the book. Well, I want to just end. Well, there's two questions I want to ask you to wrap up. One of them is, of all the myriad things that you both do, which is the process that lights you up the most? The process. And I'll, I'll let you give you some context in that. You know, there's so many different things that we get to do, but I know that if I get left to my own devices to do some writing for three, four, four hours, time evaporates, I come out of that hole and I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I love a lot of the things that I do, but my dream would be just to spend all my time writing. Mm. And that to me is something that I could be not even paid for as long as I could just find a nice sunlit space in which to do it. That would be my idea of a great time. Yeah. And is there anything that you would do for free if you had no mm. work-related uh, demands on the task? I think... I love writing as well, absolutely love writing. I also love speaking and sharing on stage, but that's not really a process, but I guess writing the content that I'm gonna share in a video or on stage or something like that, that really lights me up. It's really nice to go back over work you've done, whether it be seeing a recording of a presentation you've given or a conversation you've had with someone or a piece of writing where you get to be the observer or the audience member and you're like that's good yeah I yeah. like that yeah I'm really proud of that to be honest I don't actually really go back and read or watch anything that I've ever done and there's a reason because my inner critics like that is so terrible <laughs> like why did you say that what do you no but not all the time often I read my own books and I'm like oh that's really good <laughs> It's nice because also, you know, it's nice to get out of your own way and be like, totally. oh, my little channel did a great job today. Totally. <laughs> and even for your process of writing, though, when it comes to well, being an author and writing on a deadline, that can change the relationship with writing. Because, like, we know we have until January 17, I think it is, to hand in this manuscript. And Melissa's written pretty much all her, all her part. I did it. Like, that's I work better with a deadline. So I'm like... I got in there and I just laser. I wrote Mastering Your Mingo in two weeks. I wrote Open Wide in a month. And now that I'm co-authoring this, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, come on. And that's me, my personality. I'm very driven and pitter where he is very much more creative, takes his time and likes to just sit in it. So I've, I've written all my well, parts. Now I'm waiting for him. I, it's not that I like to sit in it. It's that I have had so many other things pulling my yes. attention. But I don't want to start until I can do what you did. So when I do start, like I'm really efficient at writing, I'll just smash it out. 
um, because I know the content literally like the back of my hand. It's it's how we live every day, and that's what's great about this book is that this is not conceptual. This is what we do, and we just so often our friends would say to us, "What's that thing you're using?" And we're like. I can't believe you don't know this. You're not using this. Because like, it's a time, time saver. And the book came from that, actually. Mm. Someone not knowing how to do something. And I went, we need to do a book on this. Mm. And so the book that was supposed to be published is now being put back. And this one's coming in place. Because like, this is so current right now. Because I've got the next like four books ready to go. She does. But the question... Yeah, what yeah so uh, music, writing music. Yeah. If I put headphones on, close my eyes, put my hands on my piano and sing into that microphone. Uh, I mean, it's, the, it's bliss. It's absolute bliss. So, you know, you get these feelings when I'm, I'm sure you get it when you're writing as well. You get feelings of being in a state of flow where I think flow can be described as being in a state of love, like where everything just makes sense in that moment, you know? Um, and I would do that for free. I'd pay to do it. It's a good sign. And the bills are going. Good, <laughs> yes. Good timing. Well, the, um, the question I end on, which is usually designed for people who are still a little bit less articulated in their vision than mm. you guys are, but it will be interesting to run it past you anyway, which is, if I were to speak to you in a year's time, what's a project or process that you would really love to have nailed in that time? Okay. For me, a year from now, which is... November um, our book comes out in September so we are going to be celebrating with the most incredible book launch and book tour that we're going to tour around Australia and we're going to go to America and so I'm so excited to see the book in its real form and the event that goes with that because um, we don't do a normal book tour. Like no. the last time we did, we merged. It's like our, a concert. Yeah, we merged our brands essentially. She released Open Wide the book. I released Open Wide the song, and so then we it allowed us to. And it was about relationships. So we did a, a real life musical, and we toured that around Australia, the major major cities, in theaters around Australia, and and literally did a real life musical, and it was incredible. So we're gonna do something like that, but up level it, so that's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. You guys are living the quit your day job, <laughs> modus operandi, so beautifully. I feel like my work here is done, I don't really feel. No, it's perfect because the wonderful thing is people will hear these ideas and they will be able to discover your podcast, your podcast, your books, the, your music that you're releasing in relation to all these ideas. You've Instantly, the, the further reading for this conversation is just mm. laid out for everyone so beautifully. And it's really an honor for me to chat to you guys because you are absolutely dedicating your lives to a process that I think is the very best thing someone can do with their time. So Thank you. Um, before we finish, what do you want to see? Oh, oh yes. Yeah, what do so you want to see? It was, a, it was a joint uh, um, suggestion for what you yes. do, but what you, you personally Yeah, do. in a year. Um, okay, in a year I would... I have definitely my own personal goals for my music, um, but to be honest, I think that the music will be, uh, the, the success of that particular tour that we'll do together and that what show will be dependent upon the success of my music as well and at what scale we can do it at and where I'm up at that stage. So I think it's a similar thing, but it's also fed very much by the success of the music. 
what's a totem of success for that? That you you know it's been everything you had desired when you're playing at Madison Square Garden. What is the what is the totem of success that lets you know you've got there? It's funny. The first thing that came to my mind was touring Scandinavian countries because my largest audience is in Norway, actually. In fact, Oslo, the city, has been number one since day one for me. Still is as of today. I checked yesterday. <laughs> um, so, doing a solo tour around Scandinavia would be that's kind of my dream as a musician. Nice. Yeah. Um, just quickly, I wanted to ask you one more thing each. Of the work that you both do, who is nailing it in your field? Who do you look up to currently and think, oh, I just really think this musician is just brilliant and I really think this thought leader in the, in the wellness space is just my hero. Who's inspiring you each at the moment? Well, I know that straight away. I think there's an Australian artist called Ryx. It's R-Y space X. Uh, he's, he lives in LA. He's also very big through Europe, um, more so than most other countries. But he's giving people an experience live, a live experience, which I think is bordering on spiritual, yet accessible through the music. And I'd like to take elements of that, but then elevate that, well, I believe, elevate it through sharing my own personal, like sharing more of myself on stage, which is where I think people lean in, is when you're more vulnerable, you know, people really want to see that. So for an artist to perform a song and then give the whole story behind that song, I, I find that fascinating, personally, and I want to do a lot more of that, but Rye X, I think, is just quite brilliant. Hot tip, thank you. And mine's Oprah. I know, that's probably really <laughs> cliche, but... Well, what is it about her that you love? Okay, so... She really cares. Like she really cares about the people and she really cares about um, the organizations that she works with. And it's a direct reflection of her success, you know, like how she's really living and teaching what she believes. And, you know, I want to have that type of impact um, on people. I want to really show people their brilliance or at least help them see it help them find the mirror so they can see how truly brilliant they are um, and yeah I just I think what she's created and what she's doing is just very inspiring to me yeah she sounds like one to watch I'm gonna keep an eye out yes <laughs> yeah. thank you so much guys thank you, thank you for having us thank you, thank you so much